If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You're a mean one, Paige the Grinch. You're a cynic, through and through. You spit critiques like fire-belting rom-coms. You review Paige the Grinch. If you suggest watching What If, Baby, baby you're screwed. You're nasty. Hate the Grinch. You think Hallmark is a bore. For being happily married, you're sardonic to the core. Hate the Grinch. I wouldn't touch you cause COVID-19. Six feet, people. tuning into romance in the podcast i'm Paige wesley happy christmas i'm mikey randolph and i'm Todd Schlosser. and this week we did white, white christmas. christmas now Paige, this was your pick so i've got to ask why did you pick one of my favorite movies it is my grandmother's favorite film of all time that does not surprise me at all she was probably of the age range that this hit yes so she actually knew vera allen no at shit some point. yes not like super well but like acquaintance wise and okay. used to tell us about it which one is that the skinny one uh narrow it down <laughs> the one that looks like 1950s Barbie? Uh, blonde hair, brown eyes, oh. not blonde hair, blue eyes. The one who hooked up with not being Crosby? Yes. yes. Gotcha. I say skinny one because at one point she was famous for having one of the tiniest waists in Hollywood. Which is better than what Nancy Reagan was famous for in Hollywood. I, it depends on how you view blowjobs, and I'm going <laughs> to say that Nancy Reagan had a talent. Uh, but my grandmother, for a long time, we would watch this basically every single year. We still do. I've actually seen it on stage twice. Oh, no shit. That's amazing. Yeah, and I've seen the original movie that this was based on because this is actually like they made one movie. It did okay. And then they were like, we could do this better. And so 12 years later, they made this movie and actually tried to get most of the original cast from the first movie into this one. And they just were unavailable at the time. And so we get like a whole new cast. And this is a much better movie than the original personally but i've seen both well that's awesome i have watched this twice this year so far this is the third time this is one of the movies that natalie and i watch every year some might say it's a tradition for us to watch them <laughs> at the uh, christmas time every year and some people wouldn't 
So yeah, I love this movie. I love the songs from it. <laughs> Natalie and I sing some of the songs from it back and forth just to play around when we're like packing or cleaning or whatever we've been doing this past week. But yeah, absolutely. I love this movie. Mikey, was this the first time you'd seen this movie? Yes, this is the first time I've seen this movie. And I can just tell by the tone in your voice that you loved it. <laughs> okay, I do love Bing Crosby's White Christmas. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bing Crosby's? <laughs> okay, Mikey, yeah. before you get into it, I'll let you finish, but I will say... As much as I love this movie, it has serious plot holes and there are a lot of things to make fun of. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I plan on making fun of it. Don't okay, get me wrong. <laughs> I think we'll all, we're all going to make fun of it. I, I don't like musicals. So I mean, like, I don't know what you're expecting from me, Paige. I like the song White Christmas. The, re- the other songs were trash. Oh, wow. <laughs> How can you diss on <laughs> sisters, bro? There were never such devoted sisters, Mikey. I liked it when the guys were singing, the girls were singing, and the guys were the dancing from the song. That was very fun. That was my second moment, and I liked the end. I liked the beginning. So you liked the movie. That's that's all of it. You liked the middle. You liked the beginning and the end. I liked the two scenes <laughs> where they sing White Christmas, and then I liked the middle where the guys were, the women's voices were coming out of the guys. We'll get into it as we get into the movie, but this movie does a thing that a lot of musicals from the same time do, which is let's have a show in a barn, and it's just a way to try and showcase as many songs as you can, either by a certain composer or just songs that they liked and kind of threw together. Yeah. And so there is a huge section of the middle of this movie that's just like song after song after song after song, and they don't necessarily have anything to do do with each other. It's more just to show off the talent and the song. Yeah. uh, But it doesn't further the plot. So this movie does, in the second act, really kind of sit with almost nothing happening for about 30 minutes and it's just songs. And if you're cool with that, then great. But if not, I can see how that would be frustrating. <laughs> Do you like a movie where the main cast is just doing rehearsals of pieces you don't see when they finally do the show? <laughs> this is the movie for you. <laughs> this this movie bottomed out for me <laughs> at the jazz tap dancing weird song. Oh, you mean the choreography number? Yeah. Yeah, it's called choreography. That is my least favorite number in this. I would say it's the one that fits the least. Yeah, it's like the 1950s making fun of the 60s, which felt weird. Like, Which is very strange because then this movie was made in 1954. 54, yeah. So like it hadn't even happened. I know, but didn't it feel like they were making fun of the 60s though? Yes, it fully yeah. does. <laughs> I know, I, it was just so bizarre. <laughs> well, to the point where I thought for sure for a long ass time that this movie was made in the 60s with kind of a throwback yeah to kind of poke fun and then to like when i went in to do fun facts and looked up a bunch of stuff to find out that it was 1954 i was just like oh oh okay (laughs) so mikey you loved it then is what you're saying i uh i did not (laughs) (laughs) i don't understand why you dislike musicals they are pure joy I'm sorry. I don't like I don't even listen to music that much. That's the thing. I don't know a lot about music. I don't have good music taste. I mean, like, I'm completely self-aware here. I I don't get the same thing out of it as most people do. I mean, I, I like some music a lot. Some songs are really great, but I'm not just, like, obsessed with it. I had to, like, pick some stuff, and I picked movies, you know... <laughs> 
But Mikey's like really into the kind of music that the lyrics are factual. Like, what are magnets? <laughs> Stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Fucking magnets. How do they <laughs> work? How do they work? <laughs> they wear less makeup than the women in this movie. This is true. And no shade on the juggalos because some of that shit is catchy. It is, yeah. Well, let's get into this fucking movie so we can talk about how great it is scene by scene, Mikey. I'm so excited. Let's get into it. So we open on an ad for VistaVision. Now, fun fact. Ooh, early fun fact. VistaVision was brand new. It was a new way of projecting films onto flatter, wider screens, which could allow them to project brighter colors without them washing out, which is why this movie looks insanely bright. Yeah, it does. But also, (laughs) you'll notice a couple times through the movie that because they would have had to color correct yeah. the film in order for it to look that bright. Sometimes they don't do it well. <laughs> and I'll point out a couple a couple places where you're just like, what? But that's why Bing Crosby's eyes glow through this whole movie. I thought he was just possessed. <laughs> he has real blue eyes. Yeah, he does. He does, but not like Marvel Tesseract blue eyes. <laughs> oh, I just thought it was his thousand yard stare from the war. <laughs> yeah. It just zooms in on his blue eyes and he's like, the wall! The war. Uh, we then get a title card for Irving Berlin's White Christmas. Now, yeah. this is very important. Because Berlin is where they were headed at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> sure. But also, Irving Berlin is one of the most famous songwriters in America. Thank yep. you. And he actually fought in World War One for America. So a lot of the songs that he's writing about the army are actually about World War One that he then retooled for World War Two in this film. But he wrote like... Everything you can remember from like this time period, he wrote it. Like uh, yeah. putting on the Ritz. There's no business like show business. Like mm-hmm. all of those are Irving Berlin. The song "White Christmas" is Irving Berlin. Irving Berlin wrote a ton of Christmas music. Yeah, there's a lot of famous Christmas songs that he wrote. But by the end of his life, he had written like 1,500 songs that are like famous. Yeah, that's crazy. It is wild. You listen to musicals from this period, especially anything made by the Arthur Freed unit, which this is not made by the Arthur Freed unit, but someday we'll watch one and I'll, you know, lecture you about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of shit I look forward to, Paige. It's essentially like the secret gay production unit of Hollywood in the 1950s. But so he worked with MGM and Columbia and a bunch of the other studios. He's one of the few people that was famous enough to work with multiple studios at a time. And so from this time period... Tons of musicals he wrote and just regular songs in the lexicon. So he's wildly famous. That's why his name is on this. Yeah. Why it's not Bing Crosby's White Christmas. It's Irving Berlin's White Christmas. Did this movie make Bing Crosby famous? No, he was already super famous. This isn't even the first time White Christmas is sung on film. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. Bing Crosby first sung White Christmas on like a televised Christmas special about 15 to 16 years before this and then again in the movie blue skies which is also irving berlin and then again in the movie holiday inn which this is based on this is about 12 years before this which is also irving berlin and is a similar musical with an almost identical plot but entirely <laughs> different songs with the exception of white christmas That's and amazing. one other song that they use the instrumentals of in this movie well, how about that? How about that? He has also written the bro- the songs for the Broadway version as well. Mm. Uh, we do have a very long credit sequence where it's just words on screen. That's super common of the era. Yeah. Yeah, back then they did all of them up front. Yep. And then there's none at the end. Yeah. Sort yep. of like the Patreonicals was. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but they're very stylized and like the vintage Christmas person inside me loves them even though yes. they go on forever. 
And the one thing that we do get, because this is stylized like a Broadway play, we get the overture as the credits are going. So you hear every song in the movie instrumentally during the credits. So there you go. Uh, we open on a title card that says Christmas Eve 1944. Uh, and we open on a kind of ramshackle stage show. Well, ramshackle because it's literally being staged probably in France somewhere, but like yes. on the front lines, like they are bombed out buildings and they're like on <laughs> yeah. a stage, like a makeshift stage in like rubble. It, it also showcases what one of my favorite thing is about this movie and other movies of the era is nothing was filmed on location. It's all sound stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> also, if you squint really hard, you can see Tom Hanks leading his men to find <laughs> Private Ryan. <laughs> Just through the back. Um, <laughs> But the thing that I find amazing, and just because we don't really do this for movies anymore, yeah. at the time, soundstage was your only option, but the soundstages have to be big enough because they can't like do the thing we do with crowds where you just like copy people yeah. and paste people. So there's that many people, and then there's cars driving. That's what I was impressed by. When the yeah. Jeep drove through it, I was like, oh man, this is all on a soundstage. And I love soundstage stuff too, Paige. Yeah. I just don't like musicals. Yeah. <laughs> so what he's saying is take this movie, remove the music, perfect. <laughs> so if you took the music out of this movie, A, you'd have to take out any allusions to music because this has more music in it even than your average musical. There's more music in this than dialogue. It'd be like 10 minutes long. Yeah. Although the dialogue in this movie is also bonkers, yes. which in doing some fun facts, I found out some info why um <laughs> which like after i read about it i was like that makes so much sense <laughs> so it's set up almost like a makeshift uso show but we find out later that they kind of just set it up themselves yeah this probably kind of goes back to what but like, i could see why this movie is probably like a smash hit because it's like it's patriotic and also romantic and like you if you want to be a good american see this movie do you not love christmas yeah and this is nine years after the war ended when this came out right yeah, this yeah. is very close yeah, yeah. fun fact Holiday Inn, the one previous to this, filmed during the war. <laughs> <laughs> so it ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Will Hitler kill himself? Find out in Holiday Inn too. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's kind of funny that it's like, in this movie, they're like, in the war. And in the one that they filmed during the war, they were just like, hey, let's go stay at an inn. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> uh, so it's set up like it's a show and it's, as if they've planned this whole choreographed thing. But the first number that we open on that we see them, doesn't it look fully made up? Like they're just like, I don't know, kill two minutes. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> yes, it dancing does. Dancing in a circle. <laughs> As the show is going on, a Jeep approaches carrying the new general. And he's a dick. He's a super <laughs> dick. He's mad that they're having a show when they're about to essentially move out the next day. I will say this. Having a show on the front like this is yes. a huge risk. Like, I would it's be pissed. super dangerous. Yeah. Yes. I mean, everyone there is in danger of being artillery shelled right now. Yeah. A bigger risk is wearing two Santa coats that are bright red with snipers looking at your camp. <laughs> Both of those dudes are fully dead. Like, they got shot at the beginning of this movie, and we're just watching the Jacob's Ladder oh. situation of them going into the they light. They're Star Trek red shirts, for sure. <laughs> how do you guys, how the hell do you guys think the Germans found the specific point to artillery so That's fast? That's why it gets attacked. You, what you didn't see is like the Germans being like, Sutter, I see, I see a Christmas show 
two red coats dancing. We won't even need to test this out. Here are the coordinates. Surely not, Fitzsimmons. Surely not. This must be a, a vision of some sort. No, I see Santa Claus. We must kill the American Santa Claus. <laughs> we will destroy them for their hubris and musical capabilities. <laughs> so anyway, the general shows up. He cites all of these reasons for like, um, should we be doing this? Uh, and the previous general who is giving over his platoon basically to this new general is like, yeah, I'll get him. Don't worry. I'll, I'll get him in line for you. Uh, you go back to headquarters, take the shortcut. Yeah. There's like a huge winky blinky between the, the yeah. sergeant who's driving and the old general who's about to like, I guess, rotate out or whatever. Yeah. And he, they like drive away. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, wait, is the secret here is that this guy has been commanding a division of troops that have sung their way through World War II? No, the secret is that he's taking a super long way to get back to headquarters, so they have time to, like... Wrap the show up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, their first general obviously likes the show and was, like, encouraging them. I don't think he knew about it because they'd planned a surprise for him yeah. in it. Which means they've had other shows, though, during the war. Yeah, I mean, they even reference it in this first scene because the general does say that he is very well aware of the character Bing Crosby's skills. Right. So I'm just picturing a division of troops that fight World War II like the Jets versus the Sharks in West Side Story. <laughs> we must kill the Nazis. <laughs> 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 They haven't had other shows previous to this. This is their first one. They talk about it being the first. But Bing Crosby's character is famous before he came to fight. Yeah, Bob Wallace is his name. But he's like a he's a known stage show. That's why they know about his abilities. Gotcha. But they, this isn't a normal thing. They waited until they got on the front lines to do a loud stage show. <laughs> to do a loud stage <laughs> show, yeah. So the general, the outgoing general, General Waverly, walks into the show. and Oh, the wait, can I say this before we move into this part? The old general and like the general's second in command, whoever that guy is, who's like walking in with him. Right. He says that sergeant, the guy who's driving the new general off on the long convoluted path to the yes. headquarters, he goes, he'll be a private in the morning. And then the general goes, I wish we could all be that lucky. Right. So they're, ma they're like making a joke about this guy who's getting bumped down like ranks. <laughs> In the yeah. army, who's going to lose, like, money off his pension, and, like, he's going to get disciplinary action. Like, that shit's serious. Yep. Like, <laughs> that's not cool. Obviously, you don't believe in a white Christmas, Todd. <laughs> I mean, here, here's what I'll tell you I believe. I believe that this section of the film was written potentially by people that never actually saw combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Page what? <laughs> like people who were maybe in the army, but but maybe did not see combat. <laughs> yeah, just because you were in the second corps of flautists does not mean you know what it's like to be in the army. <laughs> I wanted this scene bigger, and it, like instead of like a, a spotlight looking for aircraft, they like turn it down on Bing Crosby, <laughs> well, and then that's when the bomber comes to destroy. <laughs> I can't see the anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> the general walks through the show. Everyone starts to stand and he kind of like quiets them down and he sits down with them. And Bing Crosby sings White Christmas and it's beautiful. Yeah, I uh, And it's it. almost enough to make you forget that he was an alcoholic, abusive father. And <laughs> the soldiers kind of like pans around the room are all sad and exhausted. Because Bing Crosby has been beating them all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is their captain. He forced them to listen to him. <laughs> Dude, how mad would you be if you were in the army at war and your commanding officer of like your battalion was like, hey, before we go into the front, let me sing you a song real quick. 
That's my nightmare. Not again. That- <laughs> I mean, if if my commanding officer was was Bing Crosby, I'd be like, don't hit. I'll I'll listen. Sure. <laughs> he just stares at you with those dead blue eyes, glazed like a donut. <laughs> yeah, they're they're bright because he's drunk. <laughs> I don't know if you've met a ton of like lifelong drunks, but their eyes are never bright. That's no. not a thing. <laughs> Anywho, the general walks up to the stage and is like, "Who's responsible for this? The dumbest war idea anyone's ever had." <laughs> and we reveal that it is Captain Bob Wallace who's been singing, and Private Phil Davis who is responsible for kind of organizing all of it. Yeah, and he justifies it by saying, "Like, hey, you know what? If we were back in America, you'd." have to pay money to see him sing and we've got him like right here yeah either 660 or 880 which i thought was weird <laughs> I don't, there's, there's a very sing-songy way to the way people talk in this movie yeah. and i just chalk a lot of this up to that yeah it's sort of like aaron sorkin wrote it yeah well and, and the only reason <laughs> th- there's one person that doesn't do it and it is bing crosby and it sticks out because all of his dialogue is clunky and strange and I will reveal some information as we go through. Paige, you sometimes look up money fun facts. Did you look up that for these ticket amounts? No, I did not. Can I tell you what it is? Because I looked it up. It was driving yes, me crazy. Yes, please. Okay. So in 1944, which is when this takes place. Yes. 660 would be $97 and 880 would be $130. Damn. So he's like the Hamilton of his day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like Lin-Manuel Miranda's running a USO show on the front. Well, that's like in in a later scene when they're like, he wants to like charge us $200. And I was like, $200 at the time? Like, what even is that? And that would have been like a month's rent for a whole house. It's $3,000. I just ran yeah. the calculation. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's insane. That's crazy. Yeah. I And it was blowing my mind because I was like, what? For burning a hole in the carpet? Like, is this a security deposit? What is this? That's such a crazy number. So the general gives them a speech that's like, hey, you've got a new general and he is not going to let you tap dance. <laughs> this, is, this is not going to fly. But like, if he asks, don't tell. And I, <laughs> see, that's when you cut to me like four rows back being like, thank God. <laughs> you just hate happiness. We lost three men after they ambushed us because they heard the tap shoes walking <laughs> through the German village. <laughs> so, okay, I, I just want you to imagine the beginning of Overlord and then the rest of this movie. <laughs> so the general tells them, if you don't give him anything you've got, I'll come back and fight for the enemy. <laughs> Which is such a crazy thing to say. By the way, the enemy he's threatening them to fight with the, the Nazis. Nazis. The Nazis. Yeah, probably not a good look, right? <laughs> but he he's doing it to basically be like, please do your best. Yeah. I'll miss you. I'm grateful for you. I had a good time. And then he's like, well, how do I get off stage now? And this is where they're like, we have a slam bang finish. And they sing a song specially for him yeah. in marching formations that they took time to learn. But as we established earlier <laughs> when the general was in the Jeep, they don't know how to march. So the fact that they spent time learning these dance moves and they can't march is really funny. <laughs> I do think it's funny, though, because your captain of this battalion or whatever they are is a famous song and dance man. Of course they can't march, but they can hit their mark. Like, duh, you have the wrong person <laughs> leading them. They could just shuffle ball change their way all the way to yeah. Normandy and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but you can't kick ball change your way into Berlin. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of like a goose step. 
<laughs> so the general exits and literally just as he's kind of walking down the aisle to leave, an air raid starts. Yeah, because the Germans that Mikey and I played had just dialed in their location based <laughs> off sound and Santa suits. <laughs> <laughs> so they sing quieter but then get louder and louder and louder yeah. and then the air raid gets closer and finally they are under attack and we see explosions and a brick wall made of cardboard falls and Danny Kay pushes Bing Crosby under a truck to save him injuring his arm in the process yes injuring, injuring. Quote yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here's where I will present my concept of a movie he gets a robot arm. It's scene for scene, I robot, but these songs. No, no, it still <laughs> takes place in World War II, but this scene happens, the wall happens, and then it cuts to the court martial that they have for <laughs> killing 14 men by putting on a play during a frontline operation. And it's like a few good men. Another Aaron Sorkin movie. Yes, I love it. Yes. <laughs> but a musical about White Christmas. And, it, you know, the trial takes a whole year, so it ends with him singing White Christmas on the stand. Somebody get Kevin um, Pollack on the phone. We got a hit on our hands, guys. Jeez. We're going to need him to reprise his role. Get Demi Moore, Kevin Pollack, and I'll play the Tom Cruise character. Let's do it. Yeah, but in the end, they go to Leavenworth because, yes, they killed 12 <laughs> men. Because they displayed what I will call reckless disabandoned for safety while on front lines. <laughs> yeah, and also the two men who died from uh, landmines because they reassigned those guys to make Santa coats. But great harmonies. Yeah. <laughs> but them harmonies, though. Dem <sighs> harmonies, though. So we cut to the next day in the med tent where... Captain Wallace is visiting Private Davis. I love this scene, Paige. This is a great scene Yeah, where he's basically like, hey, thanks for saving my life. If you ever need anything, let me know. And then Danny Kaye's like, hey, I actually have a, like a small little favor you could do. Here is a song that I wrote that I want you to check out. And then Bing Crosby is like, well, this is a duet. I'm a solo act. And he's like, I don't even know, I don't even know who I'd do it with anyway. And then Danny is like, um, well, I know a guy who could do it. He's great. He wrote the song. It's me. Put me in your show, please. I want to be famous too. He like guilt trips Bing Crosby's character into like, fine, we'll do it and it'll be fine. It'll be whatever. And then when they shake hands, the arm that's he in the sling. He takes it out of the sling. He takes it out of the sling to shake Bing Crosby's hand and then put it back in. And then Bing walks off and he's like, Wait, what the, What just happened? <laughs> and then as if he didn't know what happened. I mean, he saw it, but he doesn't register it, I guess, because for the rest of the movie, he allows himself to get manipulated into doing whatever Danny K wants based on a bullshit injury. Yes. Well, my favorite is when he first goes in to talk to him and he has every intention to be like, yeah, I guess thanks for saving me. Bye. Yeah. Like he's fully just going to be like, see you never. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I the mean, fuck no. out. <laughs> <laughs> well it's awkward it is but anyway so yes he basically is like fine i'll sing a song with you and this is the most like improbable part of the movie i think where the war ends and they are immediately a famous duo which like yes we know that bing crosby's character bob wallace was an entertainer so we know that he's got some fame yeah he had, a, he had his foot in the door already yeah but then yeah. phil davis danny Kaye's character is a no one but they're immediately hugely successful. Well, they sort of give you like a newspaper montage of like variety magazines that like show their career, right? 
And I think we just jump ahead four or five years. We jump ahead 10 years. Oh, shit. Okay, my yeah, bad. Yeah, we jump ahead 10 years. Potentially up to 10 years. Let me put it that way. Okay. Uh, the very first newspaper just says Wallace and Davis to team up. And I'm like, no one knows who Davis is. No one. Yeah. Why is this in a newspaper? I don't know. <laughs> that, that would be like if someone said The Rock and Todd to team up. Everyone would be like, who the fuck <laughs> is Todd? Todd? <laughs> um, but thus, thus begins a montage that gives me the question that I have seen this movie dozens of times. Literal dozens of times. I've always had this question. Never been able to answer it. My question is, what is this show it's supposed to be a broadway play wait is it a play i thought it was a minstrel show it's a minstrel show it's it's a play called playing around is oh. what they are technically performing we see two or three different posters for it that's actually the show mikey invited me over to his house for a private viewing of and i haven't been able to i'm sure it's great though Mikey. <laughs> well i've learned that playing around is good solo he's a single act <laughs> see if quarantine has taught you anything mikey <laughs> it's a one-man show over here during quarantine <laughs> but essentially we see like so many flashes of what is allegedly in this show we've got showgirls we've got songs it's just the two of them later on they have the Haynes sisters involved yeah we've got these just dance numbers that are no singing all of it's supposed to be in the same show and Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, if I went to see Wallace and Davis's show, what is that show? What am I going to sit through? Because this movie gives us a million clues and no answers. I thought it was like a variety show, to be honest with you. Like, I did not yeah. think it was a story or a narrative at all. Like, when you go see Wicked, you know you're going to see the story, right? You know the right. story you're going to see. When you want to see Playing Around, I really thought you would just see uh, Ben Crosby and Danny Kaye dick around on stage impressively, albeit, for two hours. So it is implied that it's that, which would be like a variety show. But every advertisement we see for the show is the New York cast of the Broadway play Playing Around Music by Bob Wallace, lyrics by Phil Davis. We see it like four different times. Yeah. Like, what even is it? That's how I feel every musical. <laughs> so we cut to, after this montage, a shot of the playbill basically outside of the front of it's the Florida theater. Yes. Which is how we know that they're in Florida. That's the only information we get to tell us that they're in Florida. I honestly thought the first time I watched this that it was the Florida theater on Broadway. I had no idea, but I was like 12. I didn't know. I did too. The only reason <laughs> I know that it's not, especially now, is that the playbill says after two years on Broadway, which means that they had their show on Broadway for two years. Yeah. And it took them years to build up to that. And now they're in Florida and they've been in Florida for at least a few months, kind of in a residency. And then the show is going to go back back to new york yeah to be on the ed harrison show yeah which is supposed to be ed sullivan kind of although they do use real tv sets so i it's a fun fact that the like the actual set for that show is from like the ed sullivan show and there's cameras and stuff that they just, oh yeah awesome where they were just like we're around the corner just put the cameras in place <laughs> um, so uh we cut backstage where we meet two showgirls one of which is doris uh, and as the showgirls are talking to Danny Kaye's character, Bing Crosby is setting up that they're going to go dark for 10 days for Christmas. And the cast gets 10 days off with pay. 
Yeah. And that they, he and Danny Kaye are going to go to New York to rehearse for that TV performance. Right. And then Danny comes over because he's explaining this to like the stage manager or someone we don't ever really see again. It's their stage manager. Yeah. And he's like having him sign all these forms about it. And then Danny walks over and says, hey, I got this girl I want you to meet because the girl he's hooking up with is like looking for like they want to double date or whatever. Right. So he pulls Bing over to meet this girl. She's my favorite character in this movie. She shows up twice and has the same line. Yes. It's so, oh, it's so (laughs) brutal. (laughs) She's the one with the funny voice. Yes. (laughs) So Danny Kay asks if before they catch their train to New York, if they want to go get drinks and a few laughs with Rita and Doris. Yeah. Uh, Bing Crosby is like, we can't. We have to go see an act before we go. We have to basically go like see if we want to pick up this act and make it part of our variety show and it's a sister act and they're like why we don't need any why are you still working why can't we just have fun and also is Whoopi Goldberg in Florida at this time period not that I know definitely not oh sister act oh there is a cast member from sister act in this movie though what really <laughs> yeah we'll get to it later is it the housekeeper yes it is uh, <laughs> yeah. so when they introduce Doris she says her her famous lines she gets twice in this movie which is mutual I'm sure which makes no sense it is very funny and when he turns her down for a date she says and i wrote it down she's well how do you like that without so much as a kiss my foot or have an apple (laughs) 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 that's why doris is the best she's amazing so we get information from Danny Kay that basically his character has been trying to set up Bing Crosby for three months. We cut to their dressing room where they're talking together. And he's basically saying like, it's for your own good. Cause you're lonely, miserable and unhappy. And I feel responsible for you. Grab the fake arm injury. Yeah. This is something my dad <laughs> always used to point out to me with this movie, because I think he would like to have this in real life. And it's not something that exists anymore. The little sock garter belts that keep your socks up. Those, but also the <laughs> fact that their pants and their socks and their shoes are all the same color. They, they match all match perfectly. perfectly. It's so cool. Yes, absolutely. I agree with your dad, who clearly has an immense sense of style. Yeah. So he basically tells him, like, I'm trying to hook you up with somebody so that you have a bunch of kids and you leave me alone for 45 minutes so I can go get a massage <laughs> or something for myself. Because apparently Bob Wallace, Bing Crosby, is a workaholic. And he's basically like, we don't meet people in our line of work that want to settle down is what he's arguing. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got an angle. They've got an ambition. They're trying to move up the social ladder, the, you know, showbiz food chain. I get that. And he's mad. He's mad at it. Cause he's like, you just like hooked me up with these girls. Cause they're single. There's like nothing we have in common besides like they exist. And he's like, okay, fine. They didn't go to Smith. And he says, go to Smith. They couldn't even spell it, which I love. It's That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now the crooners become the comedian. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this movie too much. I love it. This scene right here where they're in the dressing room, it's a good three, four minutes, and it's like two shots. Yeah. If you watch it, like the camera is moving with them some, yes. but there's only one time they cut, or maybe two times where they cut right. to something else. So they're like doing this scene. Like that's all one take more or less. I mean, a lot of the dance scenes in yeah. this movie are one take yeah. too, which is very hard to do. Yes. Yeah. But this is where their stage manager comes in and gives them train tickets and establishes that they have a club car to New York that night. And Danny puts those tickets in his pocket. 
Yes, he does. Danny Kay asks, what sister act are they going to see, basically? And he says, oh, I got a letter from Benny Haynes, our friends from the army. And then Danny Kay says, freckle-faced Haynes, the dog-faced boy. (laughs) (laughs) At one point he says, where do you think he got the nerve to have sisters? <laughs> Which is a crazy thing to say also. But he says, give me one reason to go see them. And Bing says, let's just say we're doing it for a friend in the army. And he yeah. says, it's not good, but it's a reason. And that's going to become a refrain for the rest of the movie. Yeah. So we cut to Novello's nightclub where the Haynes sisters will be on in 15 minutes. And at this point, they're still talking about, like, why couldn't we have just brought the girls here with us? And Bing says, girls like that are a dime a dozen. And then Danny Kay says, don't quote me the price when I haven't got the time. (laughs) 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 Pretty great. That is a great line. You're right. There are some real great lines in this movie. Uh, We cut to the dressing room where the Haynes sisters are getting ready and the owner of the club lets them know that Wallace and Davis are there to see them. And the older Haynes sister, Betty, is like, that's weird. Why are they here? And the younger Haynes sister's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe our uh, brother wrote to him. I I mean, like, they're friends. It's so nice of them to come. And she reveals that their brother has been in Alaska out of the country for three months. Now, well, in the first country. off page, Alaska is in the country. <laughs> no. Oh, back then it wasn't in Alaska. Yes. yes. Oh, this was made in 1954. Right. Alaska was not part of the United States until 1959. So he was out of the country. Man, I want to see the Haynes Brothers movie where he's like PTSD addled and then he's like, I've got to go north. I've got to go north. I'm going to find my fortune <laughs> in the cold hills of Alaska. I will watch the wall. <laughs> <laughs> So we basically reveal in this scene that Judy, the younger Haynes sister, wrote the letter. Her brother did not. Right. And Betty is not super happy about it. She feels like it's kind of deceitful. But Judy's just like, they here. Why you arguing? Yeah, I got him here. So I thought the blonde one was They're like. both blonde, dude. You got to help uh, me out. The super blonde one. This does not help me, dude. <laughs> Rosemary Clooney is the older one. Okay. The he other the one. Younger, he means okay. Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. I thought that one was going to hook up with Bing. No. So they come out and they do their musical number. Sisters, sisters, there were never such devoted sisters. Uh, My sister and I have sung that for at least one talent show. (laughs) Oh, I demand (laughs) the film on that. Oh, I don't think there was one. Paige's dad, please listen to me now. <laughs> Send me the film. I know I don't think there's film of it. We've threatened to do it again, but you know. Oh, do it again. Do it again, please. <laughs> Maybe. During the song, which is pretty funny, it's clear that they're both kind of interested in either one of the sisters. I really like the way they did that because Danny Kaye says, look at her eyes. And Bing Crosby says, yeah, they're beautiful blue eyes. And he's like, no, they're brown. No, they're brown. No, they're blue. No, they're brown. And then Danny Kay sees what's going on and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, they're brown or whatever. He's like, yeah, yours (laughs) are that color. I'm glad that we're not going to be fighting over the same lady. Right. (laughs) One of them says, this is where they say they're just, (laughs) 
<laughs> Can you imagine freckle-faced Haynes, the dog-faced boy, having sisters as cute as that? <laughs> <laughs> they actually show a picture of him. Well, we'll we get to it in the next scene because I've got a okay. fun fact about it. Yeah. <laughs> so they come back out after the song and join them at the table. And this is the first time we get the refrain of boy, girl, girl, boy, which is yeah. just Danny Kay arranging people at tables. But he does it like three times in the movie. And he says the same thing every time he does it. Yeah. Boy, girl, girl, boy. Isn't this cozy? So they are like, hey, thank you know, thank your brother for writing to us. This was great. You guys are fun. And Rosemary Clooney is about to tell them, like, he didn't write to you. It was Judy. But Judy kind of cuts her off. And so this is where she brings out. She's like, oh, I've got a recent snapshot. And it is not I wouldn't say it's as unattractive as they have made it seem to be. <laughs> It but it's weird. definitely a weird looking face. <laughs> it looks like a mugshot. Yeah, he's a guy you definitely send out of the country to like work. Fun fact. Oh, what? <laughs> it is an adult photo of the kid who played Alfalfa in the original Little Rascals. What? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. <laughs> Oh my God. That's cruel and hilarious. It is cruel and hilarious. And I think, because he didn't grow up to look crazy, I think he's making a bit of a face in the photo like sure to specifically look a little off um but my favorite is bing crosby just says he always was a good looking kid and then you just get a reaction <laughs> shot of danny k like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> very funny yes it is uh he tries to push the conversation towards family and citrus fruit and shooting children's teeth and how do you feel about families which is exactly what mikey does on a first date I'm like, look, lady. Pushing, pushing. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you feel about brushing children's teeth? Do you want to go half season a baby? <laughs> I don't mind it, but I don't like it when they're still in the mouth. <laughs> God, it's just so disturbing. <laughs> when I graduated from high school, my mom handed me, she's like, She's like, this is your baby book. Let's go through it since you're graduating high school. She had collected all of my baby teeth and oh! put it in like a teeth collector. And I was like, this smells like a dead body. And this is so creepy. And she's like, let's throw them away. This absolutely is. I have no idea what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> my mom actually did a sort of a similar thing and has like a lot of different baby books. And the youngest one, like my infant baby book has a cut of a lock of my hair from when I was a baby in it. Oh, yeah, my mom, I, I have one of those too, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not super uncommon to have stuff like that. Teeth does make it look like your mom's killed and will kill again, but it's common <laughs> to save something like that. I think my mom had my baby teeth for a while, but after a while, you're like, what am I going to do with these magic rituals? Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> but I do think it's really funny that you were both like, why did we do this? Yeah, let's throw these away. I mean, the only reason to save someone's baby teeth is if you're going to teach them some strong left-hand path magic stuff they might need yes, it for in the future. right. Exactly. <laughs> now you're going to grind this up with some menstrual blood. Yeah, Paige, exactly. Sprinkle it in <laughs> the unganga. Uh, so, <laughs> so at this point, Judy interjects and she's just like, Hey, uh, any suggestions? Uh, should we change Betty's hair? Does it suck? And Betty's just kind of sitting there like, should you change my hair? <laughs> and Bing Crosby's like, I wouldn't change a thing. This is where Danny Kay's like, oh, we got to leave them alone. 
So he grabs Judy and they go off to dance. And once they're alone, Betty's like, yeah, by the way, my brother didn't write that letter. It was fully Judy. And he's like, oh, that's kind of grifty, but I like it. And she's like, don't call her grifty, basically. <laughs> We're <laughs> not no, an artist. And he's like, but you just conned people. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, everybody's got an angle. But yeah, Mikey, he does say everyone's got an angle. She's like, I'm not working an angle. And that may be fair. Rosemary Clooney may not be. But right. her sister totally is. They get in a weird argument about it. And I feel like she could have just been like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know about it. But thank you for coming. Yeah. You know, and just like ended it. Yeah. But they still like, she's like, how dare you? And I'm like, it is what happened. Um, <laughs> And she's like, well, since my likelihood of seeing you ever again is incredibly remote, I don't think we should keep arguing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's just drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. They both either just cheers water or are drinking straight vodka. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I think it might be vodka or gin. Yeah, probably gin since it's Christmas time. Oh, is gin a Christmas drink? Can be. Do you drink it around Christmas? I don't drink any. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. But I used to drink bourbon around Christmas, uh, but... I used to drink mm. gin in like the spring and summer, but that's just me. I don't know if that's a reality for everyone it's else. It's Florida, baby. Uh, it could be rum. Oh, yeah. I bet it's rum. Yeah. So while they're sitting and drinking, Judy and Phil, Danny Kay, Vera Allen, are dancing and they're like, oh, they're getting along great. <laughs> Not realizing <laughs> that they've been arguing the entire time. But, I mean, they are, like, sort of close to each other, and he's, like, holding her hand, I think. Yeah. So it does sort of look at a distance like they're, you know, romantically speaking or whatever. Right. I do love the shot because if you're looking at them, and by them I mean Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney, if you look behind them on the wall, you can see the shadow of Danny and Vera dancing on the wall behind Bing and Rosemary Clooney. It's a cool shot. Yeah, this movie shot really cool. It really is. So as they're dancing, Vera Allen kind of establishes that they're leaving tomorrow for Vermont because they're booked for the holidays. Danny Kay tells her that they're going to go to New York. So basically this is one night only. And that leads them out into the courtyard where they launch into the best things happen while you're dancing. Where they dance is very cool. This yes. is the one where almost at the very end of the song where she's twirling around him and he's like on his knee. Yeah. She trips over one of his feet and immediately recovers. I didn't but even you notice barely that. notice it. But they're yeah. both amazing dancers. Like they're doing amazing some amazing dancers. stuff in the scene. There's one part where they're legit pole dancing on a dock, but like swinging around each other on over water. I mean, this is still on a soundstage, but it's like over a pool of water. Yeah. And then they get up on like what is the bottom of a boat and are like tap yeah. dancing with no railing. Like if they fuck up, they're going into the water or going headfirst into the dock and they're crushing it. I love this stuff. Here's what's crazy is that I think my Mikey's Danny asleep. Hang on, Mikey. You still with us? <laughs> it was cool. Well, <laughs> it took forever. They danced for like seven minutes. They danced for three minutes and 30 seconds. You're welcome. So uh, Danny Kay was actually the third choice really? for this role. And the two people that turned it down before him are better dancers. That's insane because Danny's an amazing dancer. Danny's an amazing dancer. We'll have to go through fun facts to kind of how this movie got made uh, to go through the two people that they asked before. Here are my guesses. Russ Tamblin. Nope. Michael Flatley. 
Michael Flatley. <laughs> Whoa, I would watch that. Uh, the Lord of the Dance. I know that reference. I would watch that. <laughs> anyway, uh, as they end the song, Rosemary Clooney comes out and is just like, hey, uh, the sheriff's here and they're trying to arrest us because our landlord says we owe $200, which as we established earlier in this episode is like $3,000 in today's money and is like more than a month or two of rent. So maybe they are con artists? No, they're not. Their landlord is trying to pull the rug gag on them, which is what Danny Kaye says. Oh, the old burn rug gag. Exactly. (laughs) So he's like, don't worry about this. We'll sort it for you. You guys just go pack up your shit. So they run off to their dressing room and he goes and gets Bing Crosby. Right. And they tell the sheriff to stall, say that the girls have to finish the show. And they help the girls pack, help them out the window. And Bing Crosby is like, why don't we just pay the $200? We had, like, I've got it on me. Like, why don't we just do it? Which, to be honest, I don't know why they didn't. Right? It's a goof. They're just goofing the sheriff. Danny <laughs> likes to live dangerously. Yeah, man. They could have paid for them for the $200 and for them to have tickets to Vermont. And it would have cost them less than what it ends up costing them to buy tickets for themselves and then buy everyone like longer tickets to get to Vermont. Yeah. Watching it now, looking at it from the point of like, okay, does the plot make sense? I'm like, no, why don't they just pay him the $200? (laughs) And when they're like, okay, well, why are we doing this? And he says, we're doing it for an old pal in the army. The girls weren't in the army. I don't know what's going on. Uh, they have to mean their brothers. I yeah, just thought they yeah. were I just thought that meant like he's like, bro, we're just going with this. I'm bored. I think that's what it becomes late as they go through the movie. Um, but so they send the girls off with their tickets in a taxi and they tell them that they'll get their luggage to you. And the owner of the club comes in and is like, I can't stall much longer. And they're like, Well, we gotta give them a head start. And so Danny Kay says, I've got an idea, but I got a feeling. You're not going to like it. And Bing Crosby's like, I have a feeling I'm going to hate it. Why are we doing it? And then they, in unison, we're doing it for an old pal in the army. Yeah. But this is Mikey. This is your favorite scene where Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye do the sisters song. Right. Or they lip sync it more or less. They're not singing, but they're dancing along with it. You've unlocked a fun fact. Oh, all right. This was not in the original script. Really? As they were filming the initial sisters dance number, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye were playing around on set and imitating them as they were doing it. And the director thought it was so funny that he was like, we're doing this. But they didn't have time to make them full costumes or to fit them into like the full dresses or anything. So that's why they've only got like the headbands and the fans because that's what they could immediately have them fit into. That's amazing. That's really cool. And they did tons of takes of it. And the one that's in the movie has them actually laughing and breaking because they never got a take of it where they did not laugh. (laughs) I mean, it it did seem like they were actually having a lot of fun. Yeah, it honestly makes it very charming. Like, I really like that scene because it seems like they're genuinely having a good time. It's also not choreographed. They let them do whatever they wanted every take, which is why in the one that makes it into the movie, Danny Kaye at the end is literally just hitting Bing Crosby (laughs) with that fan (laughs) over and over again. Because he just thought it was funny. 
And it is. So. He's right. Yeah, he is absolutely right. Uh, so they make a run for it. They get out the window where a taxi is conveniently waiting also. They get to the train when they suddenly don't have the ticket. Uh-oh. Because Danny Kay gave them to the girls and didn't tell Bing Crosby. I love when he's looking for the tickets, though, because he's, like, holding his jacket and stuff, and then he piles it on to Bing Crosby. <laughs> yeah. he, he already knows he doesn't have the tickets. He's just, like, pantomiming yeah. looking for the tickets, and he's just like, hold my shit while I do this play act for you. <laughs> yep. The option that they give them because every available space on the train is occupied is that they can sit up all night in the club car for $97 for the both of them. So, yeah. which by the way is like seven, 800 bucks. Oh shit. Paige. What was it? So it's $938. It's still almost a thousand dollars. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> but they pay it. They pay it in cash. He had that, that much cash just on him. <laughs> Yeah. As they're walking down the hallway of the train, they accidentally knock one of the doors open, revealing the Haynes sisters in what would have been their cabin. Yeah. So they go and sit in the club car and Bing Crosby's like, I don't know how they don't have our tickets. And then he realizes that he saw the girls and he's like, you wouldn't do that to me. And he's mad. He's basically like, I'm going to go pull them out and make them sit in the club car. But before he can do it, they come into the club car to thank him. And they're basically going to sit up with them all night in the club car. Yeah. Which they could all just go sleep. Not in the 50s. Yeah. No, I mean, Danny Kay and Bing can take a bunk and the scissors can take a bunk. It's fine. I think it's twin bunks, dude. I mean, Danny might not have minded. We will address it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so they order some sandwiches. This is also where we get the second, like, boy, girl, girl, boy. Yeah. Um, they tell them their plans to go to Vermont. And this is why Danny Kay has been trying to get Bing Crosby to go to Vermont. And so they all decide to sing a song about snow i do like that harmony that they hit though because it sounds like the train whistle and then we cut to train whistle i was like oh that's someone who knows what they're doing i appreciate yep. that they exit the train in vermont where there is no snow and it is sunny and bright and they find out that there's been no snow since thanksgiving so they pile into a car for the columbia inn which again drives across a giant soundstage that houses the entire inn <laughs> and the ski lodge with enough room for multiple cars to drive around and a moat. It's insane. It's nuts. They walk into the inn where they let the receptionist slash housekeeper know uh, that they're the Haynes sisters and they're there for the floor show. Now, the housekeeper slash receptionist is in Sister Act 1 and uh, 2. Yeah. Nice. Uh, in the real famous, like, first time they sing is a choir scene. She's the one that sings, like, Mata Ramata Intermarata Santa Santa Starvenus. I watched it like two days ago. That's the main reason <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was on TV. and Hey, you don't have to make it. You just watch whatever you want. I Listen, I love Sister Act, but they should have called it Nundercover. They should have. They should have <laughs> called it Nundercover. Uh, we cut to, they're all in the lobby, and Bing Crosby and Danny Kay are like, we're here with them just to kind of hang out. Where are you keeping the snow? And she just says, oh, we take it in during the day. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the snarkiest <laughs> retail response ever? Like, as they're talking to her, General Waverly walks in carrying firewood. And we find out that their former general, the one that they did the show for at the beginning of the movie that killed a bunch of people and they were court-martialed for off screen. <laughs> so he owns the inn. 
Uh, and this is one of the most egregious VistaVision errors is that the back of his head. So his hair is like like gray white. And yes. for some reason, the way that they either lit the set or the way they translated it to VistaVision, when he turns around, the back of his head is lavender. And I mean like <laughs> vibrant, bright lavender but he basically tells the Haynes sisters like hey I know there's nobody here and I know there's no snow but we'll still pay you please stay we would love it we you know we'll watch you perform and trust me there's gonna be snow it's gonna come it'll be fine and so the girls join them for dinner they do their show everyone sits and has dinner but they feel bad about taking his money because they're like he's a veteran who owns a failing business why are we letting him pay us yeah. and <laughs> The housekeeper comes around to give everybody a second serving of uh, exposition and is just like, yeah, by the way, almost bankrupt. Bye. I love the way you put that. She pops away and they're like, what could we bring to Vermont that they've never seen before? Like, what's a crazy thing that would be a draw? I love this. And Danny Kaye says, a Democrat. And Bing Crosby says, they'd stone him which is incredibly hilarious <laughs> knowing who their senator is now. <laughs> well, okay, but that's before the Southern strategy. So that they is hadn't before the Southern switched. strategy, yeah, yes. They haven't actually switched party designations. Yep. A Democrat is what we would call a Republican today yes. back then. But they basically established that they need a big act, and Judy suggests we could get Wallace and Davis. And he says, oh, no, you couldn't. They're far too big. Wait, we could get Wallace and Davis. We are Wallace and Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Thus begins their plan to put on a show to save the inn. Yes. So Bing Crosby gets up and asks the housekeeper to get him the New York operator. And they are basically going to pay everyone extra shares to come back from their vacation early to Vermont to do their entire stage show in Vermont in the ski lodge at great expense. And... The front desk lady slash housekeeper eavesdrops, finds out about it, is very excited, gives them both huge kisses. And my favorite is that she kisses Danny Kaye and he's like, whoa. And then she kisses Bing Crosby and he's like, whoa, hold on. Come on. Bring that back in. For a second. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> now we cut to the next day when literally their entire crew is there. And it might be a day or two later. We don't fully know. But we cut to their crew arriving. And instead of the stage manager that we saw in the beginning of the movie, we now have a new stage manager who's directing people for where sets should go and where uh, performers should go, that's Vera Allen's dance partner. So he's in almost every single movie that she is in because they'd been dancing together for years and he's roughly her height because Danny Kaye is much taller than her. So yeah. that's why uh. he dances most of the songs with her with the exception of that first one because it's a lot more difficult to dance at that high of a level with somebody with a very disparate height than you. Oh. So they tell the general that they're going to practice the show here and see if they can get some people to come. And they tell him, we never had trouble getting people here, like getting people to come to our shows. And he says, well, I guess I don't really know anything about show business. And they're like, don't worry, we weren't any good as as being, you know, captains. And he's like, you weren't good as privates. Like, you were bad soldiers. Yeah. Remember that time you put the whole platoon in danger by throwing on a stage show? You killed 12 men. Yeah. Uh, we cut to them rehearsing in the ski lodge, which is 
fully the restaurant from the night before. Yes, it's the same set. It's just redressed. Yes. Uh, and this is Mandy, or sometimes known as the minstrel number. And this one is like seven and a half minutes long. But it's basically a bright technicolor insanity, which would never fit on the size stage that they have established in this room. <laughs> <Right>? at. <laughs> never, ever. Could, yeah. could not work. Giant set pieces. Um, but it serves as essentially a showcase for how well Rosemary Clooney sings and how much Vera Allen could do the splits. Yes. And like, that's the whole reason this exists because they're like, Hey, I think we could throw her down a flight of stairs in the splits. Do you guys want to try? And they're just like, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. (laughs) We cut to Rosemary Clooney playing the piano after the rehearsal to kind of run through one section of the song with Vera Allen and Bing Crosby like kind of ghost potteries her like where he puts his arms around her oh, to yeah. play the piano yeah. sing yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then he's like isn't that better and she goes yeah that is better and turns towards him and then they have this lingering gaze and he goes yeah it is a lot better isn't it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's so overtly sexual and in public it made me laugh <laughs> we cut to their cabins at night and they're looking across like from one window in one cabin to the other And Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen are like trying to coordinate to get Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby alone together. And so Rosemary Clooney goes to the main lodge where they have sandwiches so she can eat and drink buttermilk before going to bed. That was a thing back in the day. Which is insane, right? Yeah, because I bake with buttermilk all the time. It's a great leavening agent. Sure. I can't imagine drinking it. I'd imagine it would sit real heavy. I can't imagine it would be good for wanting to go to sleep afterwards. It's almost like drinking eggnog, kind of. Well, I do like me some eggnog. But he gives her sandwiches. He tells her that different sandwiches will make her dream about different things. It's his theory. It's not proven. Yeah, Mikey. <laughs> what sandwich should I eat? Uh, okay, so like I like blondes, so I'm going to eat the ham and cheese mm. on rye. Are, are you looking for a brunette? Then you need the turkey. What if I eat a meatball sub? What will I dream about, Mikey? Henry Cavill, and that's what I was about to get at. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> With a meatball sub, I think you'll dream about your ugly, disgusting feet. Well, that's just real hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you want to dream about feet, you have to eat a sub that's toasted. (laughs) 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 So why Quiznos isn't as popular. It makes you think of feet. To dream of Todd, you need a seven-layer sandwich. Isn't that a lasagna? Everything's a sandwich if you eat with your hands. That's the theory. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'm going to make that a t-shirt right there. Everything's a sandwich if you eat it with your hands. hands. Girl, let me get to that sandwich between your legs. Show me that roast beef. I'll be taking art <laughs> submissions for the Everything's A Sandwich If You Eat With Your Hands t-shirt. Just send it to romancingthepodshow at gmail.com. Okay, okay. But seriously, this scene, I have some questions. Because they go from like zero to 100 like real quick. They're talking about sandwiches and dreaming. And then all of a sudden she's like, you're my knight in white shining armor. And I was like, whoa. I, here's the thing. Because as a kid, yes, I felt like she was just like, I love you. But I think it's more because she apologizes for being mean to him initially for the whole angles conversation. Yeah. And this is after she found out that he's trying to save the inn. And so I think this is her being like, hey, I thought you were kind of a cynical bad guy and you're not. Yeah. Well, cynical bad people can try to save ends. They can. But she flip flops on this so hard. Like she's I hate you. I love you. I hate you again so fast. I'm into it. (laughs) 
Mikey's got a type, ladies. <laughs> That's why I eat the olive loaf sandwich for spicy. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Olives are so gross. <laughs> They're the pits. God damn it. Oh, God damn it, Mikey. <laughs> it's like it's like God was like, I'm going to make a grape so fucking disgusting. That's what they olives are. I fucking love olives. So does my sister loves olives. Big uh, olive. Oh. It's a match yeah. made in heaven. <laughs> So I think part of the reason for this is this movie has so many damn songs in it. There are so many songs crammed into this movie that there's literally not enough time in between songs to actually have a full emotional relationship story (laughs) because this movie is two hours long and has, I don't know, 12 ass songs in it. It's something like that. It's like a Taylor Swift album. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what that's like, but sure. It's a lot of songs. Okay. Um, cool. By the way, Paige, I literally looked it up and just counted. It's 17 songs. 17. Oh my God. And that's because about half of the songs reprise. In yes. This- so I did count. Mm. I counted White Christmas twice because they do it twice, right? Yeah. 17 actually makes sense. Yeah. So she's like, you're my horse. You're my horse of night. You're my white armored horse. Exactly that. Man. That's exactly the dialogue. Thank you. You're my horse in shining armor from a long time ago. <laughs> I liked it because he's like, the air is hard to breathe up here trying to be perfect. Anyway, so. <laughs> I'm trying to talk a lot about the dialogue parts because that's when I paid the most attention. <laughs> so th- I think this is the weirdest. There, There's only one other section that has dialogue weirder in this movie, but this is a real weird section of dialogue. I have some notes about it later. We cut to the next day where... The general and Bing Crosby are talking and we find out that the general is trying to go back into the army and he gets a letter from Washington that's basically like, fat chance, oldster. No, they. it's even worse than that. They think it was a joke. They say yeah. his letter was hilarious and like, we're so jealous of you because you get to be like retired and all of that stuff. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. It's like, good one, rumple face skin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's face the facts. He was taken out of command on the front lines and like taken to the back. So maybe he wasn't a great general. Oh, well, it's because he had the cane. He was injured. Yeah, he got injured on the front lines, you monster. This man How is a- How dare you? He is a yeah, hero. He's an American hero. You would disparage <laughs> someone who gave their good leg in the line of service. He let his men put on a musical. For morale. Yeah. <laughs> It killed 14 people. That's not in this movie. It happened That's off fake screen. News. I can't hold it. What about the civilians who got bombed watching that show? Where were they living? Behind the walls that didn't have yeah. whole rooms? <laughs> I don't know if you saw the set, Mikey. Those civilians died a long time ago in that city. They were dancing on their shallow grave. <laughs> I mean, it's a tribute to those who have a fallen. <laughs> We've got to move on, guys. <laughs> anyway, Oldie Locks can't go back to the army. So. Oldie Locks? <laughs> oh, my God. So, Bing Crosby feels bad because he's like, the general feels bad, even though his desires are delusional. So, he decides that he's going to go on the Ed Harrison show to get his entire division, or as many of them as they can, to come up and surprise the general. And because this is the only place to stay, to save the business. So, right. basically, like, everyone will come up. They'll pay to be here. We'll all get to celebrate and it'll save the business. 
So he goes to the housekeeper, puts in a long distance call to New York and is like, keep it quiet. But she fully listens in because that's who she be. Yep. Because she a messy bitch. She a messy bitch. But I love and her. So, I know. <laughs> She's got a habit of oh, snooping where she doesn't Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I like where this is going. While he's placing that call, we get the song choreography, which again completely out of place makes no sense but you get to see vera ellen do what she is very very famous for which is tap dancing on point yes which very very few people can do no she's amazing she's one of the few people at the time who could do it so we cut back and the housekeeper eavesdrops but doesn't get the whole conversation she hangs up before she hears the end of it and so she gets the wrong idea of what's happening but essentially what has happened is the tv show that he called into is like yeah 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 we'll get a bunch of commercials it'll be a whole thing it'll make you look great and he's like that's not why i'm doing this right i'm doing this just to honor this one person and she misses the part where he's like that's not why i'm doing this right and he really just wants to get the word out to get a bunch of like retired service members to that hotel right to celebrate this general but she does overhear the part where he's like it'll be like a hundred thousand dollars of free promotion for you guys right and of course bing turns that down which is a horrible horrible idea they fully should have televised this shit because it would have made that hotel like a tourist attraction and That's set him true. up for yeah. life instead of just doing one show that made him a little bit of money but whatever or he could have said yeah let's televise it i'll donate all of the things you'll pay me to the the, the end yeah, or whatever they're doing that anyway like they mentioned that anyway later on yeah absolutely mikey we're back to the why not just pay the $200 thing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's another one of those money problems in this movie that doesn't fully make sense. So before she can get clarification from Bing Crosby's character, she tells Rosemary Clooney, and Rosemary Clooney's like, what? That sounds like a pretty douche move. And as she's kind of clarifying, she gets called to rehearse in the dining room where Bing Crosby is. Yes. As that's happening, Judy and Phil... Uh, Vera Ellen, Danny Kay decide that they're going to make a plan to try and force Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby together and they're going to fake an engagement. Yeah. So we cut to the... Oh, wait. We have to talk about that scene where she decides to force an engagement on him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have, I mean, I really related to this scene. Vera, <laughs> Vera comes up with the idea of this you know, she's always been such a mother hen. If she knew I was taken care of, she would then free herself up to fall in love with Ben Crosby or whatever. It's a horrible idea, but that's what they go with, right? Well, yeah, because it's only been two days. I know. She is like putting the screws on Danny to ask him to marry her, right? Right. And she keeps like getting closer and closer to him. He's getting more and more uncomfortable. Yes. It's just so funny to me. It really does seem like Danny is not at all interested in women. And she's just like getting closer and closer to him. And he's like, please don't. No, no, let's not do this. And the only reason he agrees to do it is because he's like, it's completely made up. It'll only last for two or three weeks or whatever. And then he's like, fine, I'll do it. They shake hands. And she's like, aren't we supposed to kiss? And he's like, I mean, if we have to, absolutely. We can, I guess. I think that's a normal reaction if someone's wanting to get engaged with you so quick. I would not want to kiss her. Well, I, here's the thing. I <laughs> think ridiculous. the movie plays a little fast and loose. And I think some of this is us seeing this through 2020 glasses. You mean like with a perfect sight? I agree. We are <laughs> viewing this perfectly, <laughs> Paige. You're right. But well, that's like no. if I came back on to record next week and I was like, I'm engaged. 
I would be so happy for you, and I would just assume you got someone <laughs> pregnant mistakenly. I would not yeah. be happy for you. That's a bad idea. Mikey um, is single, ladies. I'll be like, when you know, you know. <laughs> mm, uh, what I what I will say is this movie, I always felt, watching this as a younger person, that it's equally distributed love story between the two. Where Oh, no. And it's not. No. It is really not. Watching it as an adult, I'm like, I don't know that Danny Kaye and Vera Ellen end up together at all. Like, I think they kiss. They do make the, out. Yeah. They kiss at the end, but it seems like kind of a like, well, hell, if you're doing it. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like they genuinely like each other, which is kind of strange because in The Best Things Happen While You're Dancing, it seems like they really do like each other. And then that disappears for huge sections of the movie. Because most of the time, they're kind of trying to get the other two together. Yeah. And that's the time they spend with each other, is getting the other two together. Well, Danny Kay, he's not in there for, like, the next Christmas, you know? He's just wanting to enjoy his holiday. Yeah. That's true. And I think the thing that's making it read even stranger is the narrative surrounding Danny Kay's sexuality now present day where we look back. Uh, see, I don't know anything about that. We'll get into it. But I think that can make it tend even more towards like maybe he just doesn't like girls. I don't know. Because it is a weird reaction and it's a weirdly intense reaction for somebody who allegedly likes this person. Right. Well, okay. I've liked many girls a lot. Like going on a first date, going on a weekend trip. You like them a lot. If they then turned to me and were like, I need you to ask me to marry you now, I would be like, show me the pregnancy test. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. I feel like she does present it as fake the whole time, though. Me too. But even a fake engagement, you know, like my mom would be excited. I mean, like (laughs) a fake engagement is still halfway being engaged. Let's let's all talk about it. (laughs) Well, and I think because they don't even tell anybody about it until like the party which is strange anyway so we get to the next scene where rosemary clooney and bing crosby are rehearsing the song that they sang the night before as if they're going to put it in the show and she's just like i don't want to fucking sing with you you're an asshole yeah and he's like what did i do and there's a clear misunderstanding and so she leaves (laughs) and we cut to the scene where they're going to pretend to be engaged and she says i'm not entirely repulsive am i and he says I feel the same way about my cocker spaniel, at which point I have in my notes, where is this dog and who is looking after it? (laughs) (laughs) We haven't seen it in this movie. It's it's true. Danny Kay does not really have a dog. That's the excuse he uses to get out of the girl's apartment like late night. He's like, I'd love to stay over, but I got to feed my dog and take it out. I got to walk. There's nothing wrong with that excuse. (laughs) Well, Mikey, you use it, but you actually have a dog. Like that's a legit reason for you. It's an excuse. He might actually have a Cocker Spaniel. They both never meet the dog. (laughs) That's fair. That's true. Uh, We see a shot of like an announcement board that says cast party tonight on the house. Yeah. We cut to the party where Rosemary Clooney has the best dress on earth. I want that dress. I want it in every color. It looks amazing. It's cut perfectly. It's beautiful. It is so great. And she and Bing Crosby are sitting on separate sides of the room. Yeah, she's like actively avoiding him. Yeah, and Doris is there. Yeah, she is. So they try to kind of get them to talk and hang out and dance, and they're just not having it. Right. 
So we get a, a reprise of best things happen while you're dancing and they switch partners, switch again, switch partners again. And they keep switching Doris out, yeah. which is my favorite. <laughs> and then at the very end, they end up introducing Doris to a random dude. And she again just goes, yeah, sure, I'm sure. And they go <laughs> off and dance. But Wallace and Betty stay separate. At this point, Danny Kay and Vera Ellen decide that it is absolutely necessary. So they announce their fake engagement. And we cut to the cabin after where Judy, Vera Ellen, is telling Rosemary Clooney, Betty, that, hey, now you can do what you want. Feel free to find your own love because you don't have to worry about me anymore. And we're clearly seeing Rosemary Clooney be incredibly upset and sad. <laughs> yeah, she is not happy about what's happening. She's not happy. So she leaves the next day to go to New York. Yeah, she like overnight gets a job in 1954. Like, how did she do that? No idea. It is impossible. So we cut back to the barn slash ski lodge slash dining hall slash Florida ballroom slash ballroom <laughs> uh, where they're rehearsing what they refer to as the Abraham number. Now, this is actually a reference to Holiday Inn. Oh, is it? From 12 years previous, in which there was a very racially insensitive song called Abraham. Ooh. And this is a, a like, upbeat musical version of it. Okay. But, Ugh. yes, Holiday Inn has some really bad racist stuff in it. Oh, and it's, it's not better when you sing it, Paige. I was just trying to make, <laughs> trying to soften the blow. So... After the rehearsal, they find Betty's letter telling them that she's leaving. And they go to Bing Crosby and are like, our engagement is fake. This plan was stupid. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I do love they force like a mother hen reference. Yeah, we laid an egg. You laid a Vermont volleyball. Yeah, like what is happening right now? And so Bing Crosby is going to go to New York and try to straighten things out with Rosemary Clooney. Well, he had to go to New York anyway because he was going to do the show, right, to get the servicemen to come up there. Right. So he's going to do that on his way now. Right. Uh, but one of my favorites is on his way out, he just says, you're lucky you might have been stuck with this weirds mobile for life. And then she <laughs> cries harder, which implies yeah. that, like, she doesn't like him either, which is really funny to me. And he tasks them with distracting the general from the TV show that's going to air later that day. Right. We cut to New York, where we are at the Carousel Club, where Betty has a solo show and I am again obsessed with this dress. This dress is amazing. It's a perfect dress. And this is Love You Didn't Do Right By Me is the name of the song. Yeah. Which is beautiful and she does it amazing. During this song, you actually see someone who later goes on yes. to play Bernardo in West, in West Side, Side Story. Story. Yes. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. one of the unaccredited dancers in this scene. Yes, because when he got the part in West Side Story, that was one of his first actual like acting film roles. Yeah. Previously, he had just been a dancer. Yeah. So like that was his like big break. But this is one of the first movies he's in. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty fun. So she meets up with Bing Crosby. He tells her that the engagement is fake. And he's like, it was fake. It was really dumb. I'm sorry. Your sister yeah. wants you to come back. So do I. And we would love it. And she's just kind of like, I still don't like you. And he's like, I don't really know <laughs> why you yeah, don't. Yeah, I don't know why like, you're treating me like this. <laughs> I don't understand. And as they're having the conversation. What sandwich did you eat that night? Did you eat a bitch LT? 
Bitch, <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> oh, uh, so as they're talking, Ed Harrison, the guy from the TV show, shows up and is like, we got to go. We got to take the thing. You're going to be late. And he's like, okay, I got to go. But like, please come back. Yeah. And and she's like, you yeah, know. And he's like, okay, just watch the show then. Like, just watch yeah. the TV show that we're about to do. I feel so bad for him. I'd be so confused if I was him. I'd be like, what is wrong <laughs> with everything? He is confused. You can see it. He's like, I don't know what is happening. Because you looked like you were ready to dick down two nights ago. And now you don't want anything to do with me. Yeah. Is it because you found that I beat my kids? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so we cut to him taking taping the TV show and everyone kind of watching it in their small little groups and then distracting the general from watching it. And essentially he sings a very sweet song about like, what do we do with veterans when they're no longer veterans and our system has failed them? Yeah, it's a problem we still have today. <laughs> Funny, we haven't been able to solve it in like 70 years. 66 uh, years. Woo! Yeah. So Rosemary Clooney watches the show and finally understands like, oh, it isn't what I thought it was. And so she does go back to Vermont, although we don't see it. She just kind of shows up there later. We cut to the train station where it is madness and all the soldiers are there and no one is prepared for it. So I don't know how they manage the logistics of this, but sure. Movie magic. Movie magic. The general puts on his uniform and takes his granddaughter to the show and the soldiers are all there in their uniforms and they even have sets that looked at, look like the burned out buildings that almost killed Bing Crosby. It's very yeah. sweet. <laughs> Do you remember that town? What was it? Caratan, where we danced on the graves of those Frenchmen <laughs> for Christmas. Let's rebuild the same thing. I do love that they cut out the three and a half hour scene of Bing Crosby getting over his PTSD from almost being crushed by that wall. Oh. <laughs> I do love the housekeeper and the granddaughter are like, in cahoots and got rid of the granddad's non-military suits so he has to wear it i did love that quite a bit so he comes in it's very touching that everyone has showed up for him i, I started crying at that moment oh yeah that makes me cry it's most so of, most times i watch oh, it it's very sweet i cried when i was like they are not gonna blow the candles out on that cake <laughs> The wax is going to ruin that frosting. There's going to be wax all over it. They're going to try and blow it later, and it's going to blow hot wax on somebody. That entire layer of cake is destroyed. It's going to melt the chocolate. That's you. That's you, Mikey. That's how you sound like, Mikey. How could the general see the play from the other side of the cake? It's a big cake with... Full church candles on it. Mikey, it's, it's like worse than that because he either has to sit on one side that faces the stage but cake obstruction, right? Or he sits on the other side with his back to the stage. Right. <laughs> Instead, he stared at a cake for, for four hours and he's like, I don't know. Looks good. Wish fine. I could eat it. <laughs> yeah. Wish it wasn't destroyed by all this wax. Yeah. Can someone blow out these torches so we can cut this fucking cake? I, I mean, I have to imagine that they did off screen and then we get into the show. No, the candles are lit when he sits down yep. and the candles are lit when they march off that damn stage. Really? And sing to him. Yeah, they yes. watch him blow them out. Yeah, it's literally like five minutes later of movie time. <laughs> yeah, it's two hours. It's this whole show. They sing White Christmas. They've been again replacing and candles. They're like, we got some of the glass saint ones. Maybe those will last longer. 
<laughs> he's just watching it all fall down and everyone on that set got cancer <laughs> for breathing in candles for that long no just <laughs> eating the wax i think you can eat wax we <laughs> start the show that we have in theory been rehearsing this entire movie by seeing nothing that we have rehearsed this entire movie that is my favorite part yeah so they are funny. literally not doing one song they've rehearsed nothing uh, they start out with, gee, I wish I was back in the army. And then we immediately yeah. cut to what I imagine is the end of the show where they're singing White Christmas with a tree and a ballerina child and presents. A bunch of ballerina children. Yeah, a bunch of ballerina children. And the Haynes sisters are modeling the Christmas Barbie collection. Uh, uh-huh. They open <laughs> gifts like yep. they've given each other gifts and they're on stage during the show, like behind the tree opening presents. <laughs> <laughs> don't you wish you got this awesome gift? Yeah, don't you wish you got this awesome gift of a random white horse that he immediately drops and breaks to make out with her? <laughs> <laughs> That's just like an alpha male move yeah, where you're like, like, I love your gift. <laughs> Fuck this horse. He drops it into the tree, which is really funny. He's like, <laughs> uh, and then Danny Kay comes back there and goes, wait a minute, I'll join you. And he and Vera Ellen make out and then they come back around to the front as if no one noticed that they were just behind the tree making out on stage <laughs> during a show that people are watching. Yeah. And they open the back doors to the barn and it's snowing outside. I mean, I would tell you who didn't see that. The general, because he stuck behind <laughs> that tree. <laughs> The next day, he's like, Danny was kissing her? <laughs> it's, is, it, is it snowing? Is that real snow? The pyrotechnics in this are amazing. <laughs> I just see candlelight burn in the back of my eyes. Anyway, so <laughs> they open the barn doors. Oh. It's actually snowing. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. Yeah. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, how do you guys feel about this movie? Still love it. Christmas classic. Can't change my mind. Yeah, absolutely. We'll watch it multiple times a year, every year, because that's the tradition. What? Mikey, how did you feel about it? I don't know if this will be a tradition for me. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I would watch it again, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to hate on it. It's, I mean, I would watch it with somebody who really liked it. So everyone else on Earth? I, I know. At work, like five people were like, don't tear into that movie. And I was like, oh. Yeah, it's a very beloved film. Do you guys think they're still together? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. I think Ben Crosby might be with Rosemary Clooney. I do not think Danny Kaye and Vera were ever together. I think he might have knocked her up. <laughs> oh, maybe. I think Rosemary Clooney and Ben Crosby, if they are together, have a, a curt, loveless marriage. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Their communication skills aren't great. They are Could use not, some work. Yeah. Not ideal. Here's the thing. I think his communication skills are fine. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. Her her like, you know what you did is the problem. Because like <laughs> at no point is he like not telling her how he feels. She just doesn't fully understand what's going on and is operating on bad information. Oh man. Yeah. Modern romance. <laughs> Those crazy kids are figuring it out. Indeed. <laughs> hey, Paige, hit up with some fun facts. Hit us with some fun facts. Ban it, ban it. So Irving Berlin is famous for being the only one to ever do this, but he's the only person to ever open the presentation envelope for his own Oscar. 
Wait, really? Yes. Oh, really? Where he was presenting the award for best song for, and he won it for Holiday Inn, the movie that came before this. But it is the song White Christmas. So he won the Oscar for White Christmas and was like, and the award goes to me. Yay. That's super (laughs) awkward. Why would you have them do that? I don't know. I they, apparently now, if you're nominated, you can't present, which I think is why they, you know, yeah, change those rules. They call it the Berlin Law. <laughs> I feel like there could be a lot of laws. Like, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> nope. This that's is not, the only one, not, Mikey. That's not narrowing it down. <laughs> you may have heard about this law because it came from the Berlin trials. <laughs> Berlin didn't have trials. It was Nuremberg that had trials. Yeah, I know, but that the joke would be like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Anyway, uh, so there's some huge ass age differences in this movie. I'm sure. So Rosemary Clooney, when this movie came out, was 26 years old. She's playing the older sibling to Vera Ellen, who was 33 at the time. But even more striking was that Bing Crosby was 51 years old (laughs) when this movie came out. Because he'd already Hell filmed yeah. it once before. Like, he'd, yeah. he'd been famous for a long time. Um, but what's even funnier is that Dean Jagger, who played General Waverly, is actually a couple months younger than Bing Crosby in this movie. <laughs> uh, so the set, the soundstage for the Vermont Inn was also the set for Holiday Inn. They still had it 12 years later, and they just refurbished the sets and re-erected them on the same soundstage. That is nuts. So it's literally the same movie twice. Todd, you might have known this. Mike, you probably didn't. But Vera Ellen didn't actually (laughs) sing any of the songs in the movie at all, ever. Yeah. Because her voice is not necessarily what the movie needed. So Rosemary Clooney sings a ton of her songs. So she's sometimes singing her parts and Judy's parts. And the only time she's not is when they couldn't make it work at the same time or when she couldn't hit the notes. And they brought in another singer named Trudy Stevens. So the only time you ever actually hear Vera Allen's real voice is when they get off the train and they just do the snow, 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 but they don't sing the song. They just do it together. That's the only time you hear her actual singing voice. Yeah. Wow. So, do you want to talk about who was supposed to play Davis yes. before it was Danny Kaye? Okay, can I give you a real guess? Yes. Fred Astaire. It was Fred Astaire was the first It's got to be Fred Astaire, because he had done other stuff with Bing Crosby before. He did, and one of them was Holiday Inn. So, they yeah. had made Holiday Inn together, and it was pretty successful, and so I guess they wanted to remake the same movie. Um, but by the time- <laughs> I mean, that's White- what Hollywood does now. Yeah, that's true. By the time White Christmas came out, or was shot 12 years later- he had retired, and so he declined. He was like, I ain't dancing no more. Fuck y'all. Uh, so then <laughs> the part was offered to Donald O'Connor, who did Singing oh, in the Rain. Oh, from Singing in the Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the main guy, but he was in it. The one who, yeah, the other amazing dancer yes. in Singing yes. in the Rain. And he actually took the part, but then pulled out after an illness. Oh. So they then reworked the part so that Danny Kay could do it. Because apparently Danny Kay, amazing dancer though he is, couldn't do the things that they had choreographed for Donald O'Connor and Fred Astaire to do. Wow. Okay. I know. Oh. It's nuts. So the scenes on the Ed Harrison show were actually filmed at NBC's Channel 4 station in New York. So those cameras were real. Those big ass track cameras were real. Yeah, the scene where they're talking about the liverwurst sandwiches and buttermilk before he goes in to uh, count your blessings 
is entirely improv. <laughs> really? <laughs> It's my favorite part. Yeah, it's it's entirely <laughs> improv. And he just kind of like, they were like filling time and he just like talked for a couple minutes and then just launched into that song. And <laughs> Rosemary Clooney's like, I guess that's what we're doing now. Sure. Uh, and they only did like a handful <laughs> of takes of it, which is really weird. That's amazing. There is an uncredited choreographer for this film. Okay. So there's a credited choreographer, uh, but they did not do all of it because they had a lot of help from Bob Fosse who choreographed choreography and a couple of the other numbers. So that's why choreography looks as crazy as it does, because it was literally directed by Bob Fosse. (laughs) Like, it's nuts. Who's Bob Fosse? Bob Fosse is a very, very famous Broadway choreographer. He went on to do cabaret, Chicago, and all that jazz. He's like an icon in the business. Like, from probably the late 40s, I'm guessing, maybe 50s, to like through the 80s. Yeah. Um, So I mentioned that... Freckle-Faced Haynes, the dog-faced boy, is actually Alfalfa in the original Little Rascals. They actually, the picture they use is them trying to replicate a picture of Alfalfa as a child. So I actually have that picture. I will show it to you. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's him as a child. And it's like that same face. So it's that same kind of weird looking. Yeah. Now let's get to costumes. The costumes were created by Edith Head who was already an Oscar winner by the time she worked on White Christmas. She's famous for winning uh, awards. In some cases, she's won eight Academy Awards for costume design, Um, but she won for classics like The Sting, Sabrina, and Roman Holiday, which is like a huge fashion icon movie. I love The Sting, too, but Roman Holiday's great, but The Sting's just a great movie. Yeah. Weird fact, you never see Vera's neck in the entire film. (laughs) She wears turtlenecks. The entire time. Oh, why do you think that is? Because Danny Kaye couldn't keep his lips off that sweet, sweet neck. (laughs) And she was hiding those hickeys. And people had theories about it for years until finally a man named Bill Dennington, who was a longtime friend of hers in real life, was like, yeah, her neck was fine. She used to wear necklaces and stuff all the time. Like, I've seen her neck. It's a great neck. But she just had a style thing where she liked wearing like stuff around her neck. And she thought it was her trademark, which is... It's a weird trademark. It's a weird <laughs> trademark. So this one is one that I actually found out on accident a couple weeks ago. There's no official soundtrack for this movie. The soundtrack rights for the film were controlled by a company called DECA, but Rosemary Clooney was under an exclusive contract to Columbia Records, a competing label. Mm -hmm. So in 1954, DECA recorded and released an album with the movie cast minus Rosemary Clooney and put Peggy Lee in to sing all of her songs. And then Columbia released a competing album with Rosemary Clooney singing eight of the songs from the movie with help from like an orchestra and other people. And in some cases, she sings Bing Crosby's parts. And I have both albums, and I'm here to tell you the Rosemary Clooney album is better. (laughs) Oh, good to know. One time they reshot the ending for the film because they had finished filming Uh, But as they were finished, the king and queen of Greece were visiting Hollywood and wanted to see something cool to remember. So the producer had everyone get back into places and pretend like they reshot the ending, but without filming the cameras and without Bing Crosby, who had already left to go golfing. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us to Danny Kaye's sexuality. Ooh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it about it now danny Kay was married for nearly his entire life to a woman named sylvia fine 
they met before he was famous. They were married for like over 40 years with the exception of a brief break uh, between 1947 and 1948, but then got back together literally until he died. There is a writer named Donald Spotto who wrote an unauthorized biography of Laurence Olivier. And in that biography, he made a claim that people have called unsubstantiated that Danny Kay had a 10-year-long secret affair with Laurence Olivier. And that rumor took off. And since then, no one else has come forward with that story. No one's been willing to corroborate it. In fact, many, many journalists and other people have interviewed family members, friends, everybody, trying to get somebody to be like, so did he sleep with Laurence Olivier? And mind you, Danny Kaye was still alive at the time and was like, <laughs> yo, I didn't do that. What are you talking about? But it was one of those things that just never went away. It's like Richard Gere and the gerbil. And yeah. so it persists. And so literally to this day, many, 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 many people believe that Danny Kay was a closeted gay man the entire time, even though he has a wife and kids. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be a closeted gay man. He very well could and may have been, but that is where that originates, is from that biography about Laurence Olivier. Again, people didn't substantiate it, but also this is a time when people could not freely live out. And so... Right, yeah. And the studios pretty much made them... Like, get a wife and yeah. all that stuff, right? Well, he was married before he got famous. Right. But I'm talking about, like, other people. But yes, other like... people, yeah, confirmed cases like Rock Hudson, they would have yeah. had mm -hmm. to have been married. So we don't know. We will never know. He said no. I guess we kind of have to trust him. But, yeah, no one's corroborated it. But that's where that rumor comes from. And I think a lot of people then go back and watch his body of work and are like, oh, I think I, like... He seems like he's not into it. Maybe that's it. And who knows? His family has been like, hey, that's kind of hurtful. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. That's our dad and mom. That's that's our dad and mom. And he seemed to love her a lot. And they were together a long time. They like figured it out, made it work, even though he was super famous for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, that rumor does persist that allegedly he and Sir Lawrence Olivier had an affair those are the fun facts well thank you so much for those awesome fun facts you guys want to do some box office yes please all right so this movie came out in 1954 as we talked and berlin irving berlin had suggested that they make a movie that was based on the title of you know white christmas and paramount put up two million dollars for the budget and that was the total budget that's huge for the time yeah so two million dollars 1954 dollars to today, $20, $20, that's almost $20 million. But think about the fact that no other movies had that kind of, like very few movies had that kind of a budget back in the day. Right. I know it was released on October 27th, 1954, but because it was so long ago, I can't see like how it ranked against other movies and stuff that were out at that time. Right. Uh, I do know that it made just barely over $30 million in its domestic run. Jeez. Yeah. And again, this is 1954. So $30 million in 1954 is $290 million in today's money. And think about ticket prices, because that's yeah. the other thing to consider. Ticket prices now are going to be somewhere between 10 to $15 or even more, depending on where you're going to see a movie. Yeah. And back then, we're talking about like 25 cents to go yeah. see a movie. And they made $30 million, all made domestic. $30 million domestic. 
That yeah. is wild. Insane. It's very, very good. And for the $2 million that Paramount put up to fund this movie, they only took a 30% cut. So they only got $9 million of that $30 million that it made at the box office. Now, I mean, that's still like $87 million nowadays, but still the makers of this movie made a lot of money because of this movie. Yeah. Damn. But that's all I have for box office. It's not a whole lot of information because it was so like it was 66 years ago, right? So it's so long ago. For 66 years, this has been a beloved Christmas classic that has sold yeah. its way through Betamax, VHS, DVD streaming. Like, yeah, absolutely. Th- I, this movie has made ass loads of money in 66 years. Yeah, but that's box office. So this week, Paige, you made us watch White Christmas, and thank you so much, Mikey. Mm-hmm. What are you making us watch next week? So my brother, he came out last summer. And uh, this Christmas, I didn't realize it was just last summer. I thought it was a long time ago. Yeah. No, no, it was summer 2019. Okay. My mom was super excited to pick LBGTQ uh, Christmas movies to watch with my brother during Thanksgiving and Christmas. My mom is also like overly like uh, welcoming (laughs) when my sister came out. She came out super young too. But my Uh, mom was like, yes. And like has been like so overly welcoming to that community. It's so fun to watch. I love my mom for that reason. She's the best. So we watched Happiest Season awesome. on, that okay. just came out on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I thought it was really good uh, okay. for, for a Christmas movie. And um, and watched it with him when he came back. And it was a really touching family moment, I feel like. It was just like, I was just like, man, we have changed a lot and grown a lot. And it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. So, guys, your homework is to get eggnog drunk and watch Happiest Season on Hulu. I know, because he was like, oh, great. You guys waited to watch the gay Christmas movie with me? I was like, (laughs) mom's real excited about it. My mom would be the same way, though. That's so cute. I love that. It was good. Now, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. I do have a review. So, Mikey, who's the review from? This one's from June in Flames. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're entitled this review, Great Commentary. Oh, they have a succinct review. It just says, I love listening to their hilarious breakdowns of rom coms, which does pretty much sum us up. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment of what we do here. Agreed. Five stars. Well, June in Flames, thank you so much for the very short and wonderful review. When you said it was a short one, I thought we were going to go with the one that said, do the holiday, which is the most recent episode we recorded. And by the time this comes out, it's last week's episode. (laughs) I might do that next week. (laughs) I loved that when I saw it. I was like, oh, man, we've got a a surprise for you. Bono is not hot. Uh, All right, and guys, if you want to have your review read on the podcast, like we just read both of those reviews, leave us that five-star review, and Mikey will read it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin, and that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at rampage wesley everywhere including tiktok except for twitter where she is at page wesley mikey is at m randolph 24 and i am at todd j awesome everywhere and that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm page wesley i'm mikey and i'm todd 
And you complete us. To completion. Toodle pip. (laughs) (laughs) Laters, babies. If you want a blonde, eat the ham and cheese. (laughs) What, you eat a bitch, LT? (laughs) (laughs) Still my favorite joke of the night. On the 12th day of podcast, Todd prepared to wear 12 leather jackets, 11 heavy hoodies, 10 lighter sweaters, 9 festive polos, 8 cozy zip-ups, 7 fancy vests, 6 fancier vests, 5 graffitis, 4 pairs of jorts, 3 cargos, 2 fuzzy socks, and 2 Santa hats to cover each name. And to Santa has to cover each name.